The Audioverse Awards are supported on Patreon by listeners like you. Help us achieve our physical trophy goals by donating a dollar or ten dollars. Whatever you would like to give helps. Visit us on the web at patreon.com slash audioverseawards. That's patreon.com slash audioverseawards. Thank you. This is Natalie Stanfield, and I play the title character in the Misfits audio series, Millie Foster, Macabre Investigator, which is about yours truly investigating spooky, weird things. This is Episode 5, Brainwash. Thank you for listening. This is Natalie Stanfield, and I play the title character in the Misfits audio series, Millie Foster, Macabre Investigator, which is about yours truly investigating spooky, weird things. This is Episode 5, Brainwash. Thank you for listening. This is Natalie Stanfield, and I play the title character in the Misfits audio series, Millie Foster, Macabre Investigator, which is about yours truly investigating spooky, weird things. This is Episode 5, Brainwash. Thank you for listening. The following audio drama is rated PG-13 for parental guidance. April 6, 12.33 p.m. Location, a nearby warehouse mistakenly believed to be long abandoned. No, sir. Please. It won't. Won't happen again. I swear. Now. (laughs) That's enough, my dear. Excellent. I'm going to have to let you go. That's how Principal Conklin put it. Cutbacks, he said. In today's economy, what's a single, unemployed, 40-ish English lit teacher with no kids supposed to do to keep a roof over her head and food on the table? Become a macabre investigator, of course. The spooky has always been a passion of mine. But I was surprised to learn how many people needed my kind of help and would pay good money for it. Do I get scared sometimes? Sure. But a girl has to make a living somehow. Misfits Audio presents Brainwash, Episode 5 of Millie Foster, Macabre Investigator. The series stars Natalie Stanfield Thomas as Millie and Glenn Haskell as Woodrow. (laughs) I remember that. Madge Butler found it. Oh, yeah. Some people say they heard her scream at the other end of the school. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back, ladies. Did you have a nice long lunch? Very nice. Oh, ever so much fun. Reminiscing is underrated. We had some good times at Franklin Pierce High. We certainly did. At least you got to leave by choice, Anita. Unlike Millie and me. A decision that Principal Conklin will live to regret. Amen to that. Don't be bitter, Woody. It's tough not to be. There's no sense crying over spilled juice. Uh, Milk. I'm lactose intolerant. Spilling milk wouldn't bother me at all. (laughs) (laughs) You, uh, went shopping too, I see. This? Oh, no, no. These are samples. Of what? Shampoo. You've got a bag full. The rule is one to a customer? I know, but he insisted. He who? The man with the samples. He was passing them out a few doors down from the restaurant. Once he found out that I work at the federal building, he kept giving me more and more. I promised him I'd share them with my co-workers. And will you? Some of them. Only some? You've got enough shampoo in that bag to wash the hair of every person in the federal building. I'm on a tight budget, Millie, and, well, free is a great price. The man only gave me three samples. What's the name of this magic elixir? See for yourself. 
Goldenrod Shampoo, uh, the shampoo and conditioner all in one for the discriminating modern woman. It's only for women? So we were told. They're writing off half of their market. Don't men have hair, too? Present company excluded. Mine's thinning, that's all. Who wants fat hair? (laughs) Were there any calls while I was out, Woody? Just one. It was from a Mr. Willis or Millis, something like that. What? Lou somebody. The message is on your desk. You can't remember his name? It was a while ago. I've been busy with paperwork. And you did take a longer-than-usual lunch. He said he was an old college friend of yours. I don't like the word old. Lou Hollis? That's him. Big Lou? Did he say what was wrong? Nope. He asked that you call him back. He left his number. Anita, I... Oh, no problem. I have to get going anyway. It was fun strolling down memory lane with you. Ick. A comment from the peanut gallery? Oh, it, it wasn't directed at you, boss. Then what? This shampoo sample. What a stink. No wonder they're marketing it to the ladies. It smells like a flower shop gone bad. I met Lou Hollis in college. He was a big guy, six foot four, three hundred twenty-five pounds. After graduation, he started appearing on the professional wrestling circuit as Major Justice, Defender of America. Not much later, he married Vera Wilkinson, all five foot two, one hundred fifteen pounds of her. I called Lou, got his address, and drove over there. Lou, what happened? Have you gone back to wrestling? No. Those days are over. I'm too old for the circuit. But you look like... You can say it. Like hell. You don't have to tell me. I've got a mirror. I never looked this bad after one of my matches. Even that one against... What was that guy's name? Dyed white hair, sequin jacket? The star-spangled gangster? That's him. The dirty fighter. I didn't know you were a wrestling fan, Millie. I'm not. I'm a Lou Hollis fan. Who beat you up? Vera. Little Vera? My missus. No, that's not... I wouldn't have thought it possible either, but it was her all right. She was always such a little thing. She still is. Petite is the word, I think. But you're two people bigger than she is. I know. Remember what everybody used to call us when we started going together? Yeah, Beauty and the Beast. I was at the ER for three hours last night getting patched up. She broke my right wing here and two of my ribs... This shiner is from her, too. The doc said I just missed getting a contusion. Concussion? Is that with your head? Yeah. You're right, then. Did she hit you with something? A a frying pan? Nothing but her hands and feet. I came home from work around 4.30. Hi, honey, I says. What's for dinner? Before I knew it, she was on me like a duck on a June bug. For asking what's for dinner. Suddenly, her hands are in my face and her feet are up in the air like she knows karate, which she doesn't. Did you defend yourself? I was brought up that a man doesn't hit a lady. Not ever. Besides, I was too surprised. I blacked out. When it came to, Vera was gone. I called 911. An ambulance took me to the hospital. Does anybody know where Vera is? The police found her down by the waterfront. Just wandering the streets. One of the officers said she was in a daze, but I'm told she's back to normal now. She's being evaluated by some shrinks. Cops said that might take a week or so. Will you be pressing charges? No. She's my wife, after all. I will be careful about ever asking her what's for dinner again. <laughs> Could I speak with Vera? It's okay with me. Just let me call the hospital. Oh, damn! What's that for? Time to take my pills. The ER doc wrote me some prescriptions last night. Do you mind? Not at all.
They're in the bathroom. This way. Yeah. Do they work? They take the edge off. You were saying about calling somebody so I could talk to Vera. Oh, yeah. Let me get you the name and number. I wrote them down on a pad in the kitchen. I see that Vera works downtown. Why do you say that? These shampoo samples. There's a guy downtown passing them out. I ran into him myself earlier today. Vera doesn't work, Millie. No? Well, not officially, I guess you'd say. She's a homebody. I've always liked that about her. She takes care of the house... And me. <laughs> That's a twofer I wouldn't wish him my worst enemy. Luke called the hospital and cleared it for me to meet Vera and her attending physician, Dr. Brian Malloy, the next morning. We walked into her room. Sitting up in bed, Vera looked tired and drawn. Her hands were bandaged, and for some reason, she kept nervously scratching her head. She stared at me for a moment. Then it finally dawned on her who I was. Millie? That's right. You know each other? I went to college with her husband. Have you seen Lou? How is he? He's okay. The doctors patched him up and sent him home. Oh, good. He won't be dancing for a while. I, 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 I don't know what came over me. That's what we're trying to find out, Mrs. Hollis. We've run several tests. The results should be in by this time tomorrow. Lou said you went off on him for no apparent reason. Oh, he's right. One moment he was talking to me, sweet as you please, and then... Uh, what happened to your hands? She had open wounds on them when she was remanded here. From hitting her husband? Evidently. That would mean she used an awful lot of force, right? It would. A woman of her size? Why would I do that to Lou? I love that man. I mean, he's like a big teddy bear. Can you remember what happened? Not much of it. Uh, Lou came into the kitchen and started talking about something. After that, it's all... Kind of fuzzy. I don't know. It came over me. The doctor said I I might need some medication. It's a distinct possibility. You don't want this happening again. Definitely not. Uh, is Lou mad at me? Not that he said. Will I be going to prison, doctor? Not unless your husband presses charges. Which he told me he's not going to do. You will need to stay hospitalized until we know what happened and decide on a way to correct it. How will I ever make this up to Lou? The report you asked for, sir. Thank you. Hmm. Millie Foster, huh? Is she butting in where she doesn't belong? She certainly is. Don't I have, um... Yes, I thought so. Problem solved, sir? A simple outside alert will take care of things. She won't be bothering anyone very soon. Back so soon, Woody? Anita, I'm sorry, I... 
I thought you were Woody. He's not here? Oh, he's making a post office run. You know how little they're open. It's like they ask their customers, when can't you make it? <laughs> Did we have a lunch date today? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Earth to Millie. Millie, it's Woody. Uh, uh, That's it. Come on, talk to me. Oh, oh, Woody. How many fingers do you see? I don't have time for that. Oh, help me up. <sighs> Easy now. Oh. Oh, boy. Shouldn't have done that so fast. Now, I've got you. Here's my chair. And down. Oh, that's better. For a minute, there were two of you. <laughs> you should be so lucky. Uh, what happened? Uh, Anita happened. Anita did this to you? Uh-huh. Why? Damned if I know. She stopped by while you were gone and used me as a punching bag. Ugh. How are you feeling? Like I got run over by two trucks. We'd better get you to the hospital. <sighs> Not right now. But, Millie... Anita needs my help. And you need medical attention. Anita first. There's a connection, Woody. Between what? What Anita did to me and what Vera Hollis did to her husband. She beat him up, too? She sure did, and she's less than half his size. Lou used to wrestle as Captain Justice back in the day. Man, I remember Captain Justice. <whistles> Boy, I'd like to meet the woman who could put him down. Yeah, we'd better at least get you to the bathroom, boss. Some of your cuts are still... The bathroom. Of course. Huh? The shampoo. You've lost me. The goldenrod shampoo samples. That foul stuff? Anita has a bag full of it, and I found some in Lou's bathroom when I went to speak with him. You think that stuff is somehow making... It's connected. When I talked to Vera at the hospital, she couldn't stop scratching her head. Anita was doing the same thing when she stopped by here. We have to find her. She could be in trouble. Help me up, please. Are you sure? Woody. Okay, okay. What the... Hold on a minute. There it is. There what is? Your cell phone. That's not mine. You sure? The case on mine is clear. That one's pink. Yours? A pink case? It must be Anita's. You're better at this stuff than I am. Can you poke around on it? Uh, what am I looking for? Anything. Something that would give us an idea of where she went. She certainly has a lot of contacts. Nothing so... Uh, wait. There's, uh, there, there is a text. What does it say? 1139 Seashore Drive. That's, uh, that's down by the waterfront. The police found Vera Hollis down by the waterfront. Do you think that's where Anita went? It's the only clue we have. Oh, we have to go after her. We? Don't you want to find her? Uh, of course, but... Didn't you two go out on a date once? Twice, actually. How'd it work out? We're both still single. Does that answer your question? Woody, I wouldn't ask for your help if I didn't really need it. But you're the macabre investigator. Not me. I'm a macabre investigator who's hardly at her best. Ow. I doubt I could even drive now. I don't... Please. It's not like I have a choice between you and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> 1139 Seashore. 
This is the place. And there's Anita's car. Which one? The blue Toyota. 557-JZA. It's, uh, it's getting dark. Uh, maybe we should come back in the morning. Afraid? Me. Didn't your mother ever tell you that you don't have to be afraid of the dark? Not that I recall. Well, she should have. I'm guessing you have a flashlight? In the glove compartment. Shouldn't we call the cops? No time. Look, Woody, I know this isn't in your job description. Normally, I'd do this on my own. But with the way I'm feeling... All right. I'll go. Uh, Get the flashlight. Look at all these boxes. (gasps) It's only a mouse. Mouse? It was as big as a cat. Then, uh, then it was a rat. Ugh. Here, let me do that for you. Already done. Will you look at this? Goldenrod shampoo. A a whole bottle. Looks like the samples weren't good enough for them. Do you think that all of these boxes? That's what I'm afraid of. Millie, I think we have something else to worry about now. The warehouse's lights sprang on. The sudden illumination was blinding. Behind us, two young ladies pointed very large guns directly at Woody and me. In front of us, holding a gun in a stance that would have made Dirty Harry proud, was Anita. From the blank look on her face, I could tell that she was still under the control of... Who? And now, boss? I'm going to talk to Anita. Be careful. For once, she doesn't seem like she wants to talk. Anita? It's me, Millie. We're friends, remember? You're not my friend. Then who is? I am. A man stepped out from behind a high stack of shampoo boxes. He looked to be in his mid-forties. His blonde hair was streaked with gray, and he stood about six feet tall. In his right hand, he was holding something that looked like an iPad. Very good, Anita, ladies. Welcome, Millie. And is it Woodrow? Woody. As you say. Dr. Malcolm Fraser. Again, welcome. I can't say I care much for your welcome. The weapons? A sad necessity when you're dealing with such an important project. Goldenrod shampoo. Exactly. My congratulations, Ms. Foster. For what? For being here and alive. I thought for certain that the beating I had Anita give you would have finished you off for sure. You did that. In a way. You're made of tougher stuff than I expected. We both are. Follow me, you two. To where? You will soon see. Please do not try anything foolish. The ladies will shoot at the slightest provocation. My body aching with every step, Woody and I followed Fraser deep into the warehouse. We didn't need to turn around to know that Anita and her two cohorts had their guns aimed squarely at us. Finally, we came to his operations center. Computers, their lights flashing rapidly, lined the walls of the room. I could faintly hear an odd bubbling sound. Chairs for our guests. Fraser led us to one particular computer panel. On the top right-hand corner, the number 117 showed on a screen. As I watched, the number changed to 118, and then 119. 
After Anita and one of the other ladies returned with the chairs, Fraser motioned that Woody and I should sit down. I grimaced as I did. My whole body hurt. Can I get either of you anything? I'd like a bus ticket out of here. <laughs> That's not quite what I had in mind. You control these ladies. Them and many more. With the shampoo? My own invention. I'm quite proud of it. Would you like to see Anita's attack on you, Millie? <sighs> no thanks. It's still fresh in my mind. How about Vera Hollis's attack on her husband? You film them? The computers record the attacks so I can study them later. There's always room for improvement. I get no sadistically from it, I assure you. Uh-huh. You see, when someone uses Goldenrod, microscopic audio and video transmitters burrow through the scalp and latch on to the brain. I can then see and hear anything that happens through the subject's own eyes and ears. Ah, 125 now. Wonderful. 125 what? 125 women under my control. From using your shampoo? Just one application is enough. I can activate any of the ladies whenever I please from this portable controller. For? Whatever I please. They are my army. Observe the screen. Looks like a hospital room. Vera Hollis's room, as seen through her eyes. Why does the picture keep shaking? She's scratching her head. She was doing that when I saw her. I know. I heard every word. It's a side effect of not continuing to use the shampoo. What a way to ensure customer loyalty. The control chemicals need frequent replenishing. The shampoo's aroma covers up their odor. From here... I can hyper-stimulate any of the ladies' bodily abilities. Such as increasing their strength? Exactly. I think we've watched Mrs. Hollis for long enough. 130! What an army I'll have! To do what? I'm still thinking about that. Perhaps the control of a small island nation to begin with. That might be a good starting point. Once my army grows to a sufficient size, who knows? The world will be my oyster. Why only ladies, Fraser? Afraid to pick on someone your own size? Not at all. The female brain, for a reason I have yet to discover, is more easily controlled by the goldenrod chemicals. Imagine an army of women under my control, programmed to do my bidding. Is it nice to play God? How dare you? Isn't that what you're doing? You're enslaving these women. Enough! As you mentioned, Woody, I believe I have now adjusted the chemistry of the shampoo to work on male subjects, my own size. Though my ladies can handle anything, some men under my control might prove useful. Sadly, I haven't yet had a chance to take the new shampoo for a test drive. <laughs> Guess who's going to be my guinea pig? Thanks, but I already washed my hair this morning. Anita? Bring him. Up. <laughs> How can I refuse such a polite invitation? No, Anita, don't. Oh. Millie. This way. But shall I have Anita slap Ms. Foster again? All it takes is the push of a button. Woody. I'll be okay. Go. In that chair. 
Since this new formula is still experimental, I haven't yet bottled any. So, just for you, we're going straight to the source. Anita? Anita will now wash your hair. If you try anything, the other ladies will kill you and Ms. Foster. Anita poured a good amount of the shampoo onto Woody's hair and began scrubbing. He squirmed a bit, but that soon stopped. After a few minutes, he just sat there with a blank look on his face while Anita finished the job. He was under Fraser's control. Success! Stand! Now I have shampoo for both sexes. Even the sky will not be the limit. Your turn, Ms. Foster. Rise, I'm coming. Woody? He cannot hear you. In the chair, it is your turn. Look out, Millie. Get down. What the? That must have been his control box. Then that means. Oh. Yeah. M- M- Millie, what's what's go what's going on? Anita, where are we? Why am I? I'm afraid of guns. She's back. I'll bet they all are now. <sighs> Woody. Yes. <sighs> I think you ought to take me to the hospital. The authorities destroyed the machinery and seized the remaining shampoo. News outlets reported that the product had been found to be unsafe and should be thrown away. Anita's two gun-toting friends from the warehouse made their way back to their homes, and a few days later, Vera Hollis was released from custody and returned to the big loving arms of her husband, Lou. I was patched up at the hospital. I had two broken ribs and a few other minor injuries. Anita was back in town yesterday, and we went to lunch. Someone was passing out free samples of something a couple of doors down from the restaurant. We didn't stop. You have been listening to Brainwash, Episode 5 of Millie Foster, Macabre Investigator. The series stars Natalie Stanfield-Thomas as Millie and Glenn Haskell as Woodrow. Guest starring in this episode in order of appearance were J.R. Murdoch as The Man, Jan Anderson as Malcolm Fraser, Diane Magipinto as Anita, Billy Flynn as Lou Hollis, Peter Catt as Dr. Malloy, Julie Bruno as Vera Hollis, and Nancy German as The Woman. The series was created, produced, and written by Mike Murphy. Assistant producer and webmaster, Captain John Tadrazak. Post-production was accomplished by Jake Luzzi. Music for the series was composed and performed by John Carl Toth. It is copyright 2016 and is used with his permission. To hear more of his music, please visit his website at johnnytoth.wix.com music. Script editor, Arlene Osborne. Art director, Alexa Chipman. This production is copyright 2016 by Misfits Audio and is intended for enjoyment purposes only. All the characters portrayed in this series are fictitious. 
Any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. Please visit us on the web at misfitsaudio.com and on Facebook. This is your narrator, Fran McClellan, speaking.